Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's go behind the mask. Welcome back to another edition of the Behind the Mask podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Takeo Spikes, two-time Reyes, your other host, and we have a special guest. Every week we have a special guest, but Jason Duffner, one of Auburn's own, actually knows a lot of football, so we're going to pick his brain, though. We're definitely going to pick his brain, but hey, man, thank you for coming by the podcast, man. We appreciate, appreciate it. you showing yeah, up man. today. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'll talk some football. We'll talk yeah. a little golf, probably. Yeah. Maybe a little bit, you know, about what life's like on the tour or being a professional athlete. I know golfers maybe don't get classified as professional athletes, but I promise you when those checks roll in, you're getting paid, so that's pro something, right? Yeah, it's pro something. So I, I used to think, listen, I used to be the one that said, this is before I picked up a golf club. I was like, you know what? I don't really see how we can consider them as pros, not athletes. pros, but athletes. Yeah when it comes to that because I'm like only thing you're doing is just hitting the golf ball. How's that go for you? You pretty good? <laughs> oh my goodness. This, I've it seen, took me years to break a hundred. I've seen a lot of athletes. Um, you know, anybody from Cam Newton to Michael Jordan to football players try to hit a golf ball. And how did it go? Not good. That ball ain't moving by the way. I don't understand what Maybe the problem is. Maybe that's the is. problem though. It needs to be moving. It's because too in small. Other, in it's other sports small. the ball is moving, right? That's right. Um, you know, it's a tough sport. It's, it's a fine motor skill, a lot of hand-eye coordination. But the thing with the golf is the, the bad ones, even the bad ones you hit or the bad ones I hit, the difference between a good and a bad is very marginal. It's also, you know, you play on the biggest field in any sport. Yeah. You're, you're out there in the elements and the conditions, and the ball barely fits in the hole, if, if you haven't noticed. So. You're in the biggest space, and your target is the smallest in any sports. There are a lot of variables that can go on. So it's a tough sport, um, and it's not a team sport, right? So how'd you get into golf at such a young age? Uh, obviously, football was our thing, but we saw football on, on TV nonstop 24-7 coming up. I didn't really watch golf or see golf on TV as much right. as a kid, but what made you say, you know what, this is the sport for me at such a young age? Yeah, I played a lot of team sports um, growing up. I played basketball. Play a lot of baseball. I played football for one year, but the How thing. How did it work out for you? The thing with football <laughs> for me. How did it work is, out, Mr. Fine Precision? And sport? you guys can probably verify this: is practice football practice is literally the worst thing in life. I think. <laughs> right? Am I not right? Like you're out there tackling, getting hit, doing all this stuff that's practice. Like, I couldn't handle the practice part, right? So that was out immediately. I liked the games. I liked the competition and the aspects of football. But I couldn't do that for five days of the week with practice. So play a lot of team sports. First year of high school, I moved down to South Florida. Um, we were lucky to have a membership at one of the clubs. Going into a new high school, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a lot of friendships. They had a tour event at the golf course. So I got immediately exposed to it that way. And being that it's a sport that's an individual sport, I could do it on my own, right? I didn't need friends. I didn't need to call people up and say, hey, let's go play basketball. I could do it on my own. So that's kind of how it started. I had family members that played, so they exposed to me that way. And then I just liked it. And I got really good, really quick, and saw a lot of you know, my level of 
being able to play increased at a fast level and it just kind of rolled from there. But as much as I love to think I'm a, the best athlete of our, our media crew, right. we call ourselves the usual suspects, I say I'm the best athlete, right. pound for pound, meaning I weigh more than anybody else, therefore, pound Stop for pound, it, I'm you the plus best. Size model. <laughs> but you talk about practice, I can't play golf worth a damn. Right. You have to be able to practice that sport nonstop, repetitive, that, just to get consistent enough to be halfway good on the It's an extremely time-consuming sport. Um, we practice probably way more than any other athlete um, in any other sports. Um, football practice seems like it lasts somewhere an hour, hour and a half. Y'all might have your lift sessions, you might have some treatment, some film. Um, you know, most of the guys on tour are putting in 60 hour weeks. And I would say 70, 80% of that, of that 60 hours is physical, right? You, you, like a, a strong day for me is five, six, seven hours of physical work, right? 60 hours a week? 60 hours, a lot of the guys. So what is, what is a, like, maybe that's the problem with my golf game, because how do you practice? You got 60 hours? Six hours a day. You got 60 hours to put in? That's what it takes. Where do you fit 60 hours in a week? Tell me how to 60, tell me how, how does it go in so a day? So a typical day on 60 hours is I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna be in the gym. I know it doesn't look like I'm in the gym, <laughs> but what I do, what I do is a lot different. I'm doing a lot of functional stuff. And at my age, I'm doing a lot of stuff that keeps me moving, right? And, and flexibility stuff, injury prevention stuff. So that could be about an hour to an hour and 30 minutes. I'm getting treatment, I'm moving. That's just my warm-up, right? I'm going. Then it's usually somewhere between two, three, four hours of physical swinging the golf club, technical work, right? Um, I might be working on certain things. I might be just hitting, working on my yardages. Then we'll go in. There's so many different aspects to golf, right? There's your tee balls, your iron play, your chipping, your putting, your bunker play. So like, you got to fit all that in, right? So I might do three hours of full game work, I might get two hours in on my short game, I might get an hour on my putting. Some days you throw in going playing. That's probably the hardest thing about golf is it's extremely time consuming. You right. can't go play around a golf in an hour and a half. Yeah. It just ain't gonna happen, right? It ain't so gonna happen. if I wanna if I wanna play, that's four hours. Um, you know, and then recovery on the other side, right? Massage treatment, stretching out again icing down at my age at 42 there's a lot of ice involved and recovery so you know a, a solid day for me is i'm over here in the treatment center at 9 30 and i'm gone till about 6 or 6 30 and then eat dinner hang with the lady and you know go to bed and then you hop up and do it again so you're looking at 9 30 until 6 or 6 30 that's nine hours wow you do that six days a week you're at is my math good 54 hours yeah. nine times six and that's just at home now on the road you're kind of tapering that off because you want to be fresh yeah. to compete on thursdays and fridays and like i'm not going to say right now that every week is like that for me but there are a lot of weeks that are like that and i know when i was younger trying to get to the point where i could execute and be a great golfer that's what that's all i did man I didn't have time for anything else. That was non-stop. That was six, seven days a week, 40 weeks a year, banging it out like that. And that's what it took for me to get there. So there's other guys that are more talented that maybe aren't on that schedule. You know, you look at a guy like a Dustin Johnson or a Tiger Woods, 
these guys are mega talented and I'm sure in football you see them, right? There's dudes that work really hard, that grind it out because that's what they got to do to be good. And then there's other guys that you're like, damn, I wish I was that dude. He could cut a couple corners yeah. and still be really good, right? So it's the same in golf, but that's what it takes at that level to be that good. When you see, like you hear the stories, you, like we hear the stories of Michael Jordan, one of the, probably the greatest basketball player of all time. You know, depends on who you're asking. Uh, there's no probably about it. I think, yeah. yeah and so you see him, I used to hear stories, even spoken with him about how can you do practices in a several week, several practices after game, the next day they say he's out on the golf course. Not just playing one round, but two rounds, and then comes back and to be able to play at a high level. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. You, you mentioned it earlier. You had experience playing football, and you watched the game. And so my question to you is, when you see that crossover athlete, whether or not if it's golf, basketball, uh, football, to your guys who you see that dominate the game and they may not have to put as much time, what is that one thing that really separates them from like the rest of their competition? So to me, there's like three main areas and I think it's across the board with all athletes. You have a talent level, right? That we just talked about. Some guys are more talented than others, right? The next is, is how do they work at their craft? Yeah. You know, do they identify their weaknesses? In golf, you're always looking at your weaknesses. I'm sure it's the same in football, right? And that takes a lot of honesty from the athlete because it's hard to look at what you're not good at, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to work. Very hard. To correct, it. to correct it, right? So do these guys take into account, like, I'm not good at X, Y, or Z? And then the third, there's kind of two other components. And in that first component is time. How much time do they put? Like you always hear Tom Brady, right? This dude is all about football. He puts the time in, right? He's committed to it during the season. He has his time where he's probably on break or off and that's fine. But when it's go time on football, he's 24 seven football. So that kind of rolls into that working my craft. And then honestly, the last component is, is which guys have the balls and the nuts to step up in that moment and do it, right? That's not for everybody too. And I'm sure you guys see it in football and you know who they are. That pressure, right? Like when it's time to go, when it's time to go and it's third and seven, who's the dude you want taking the snap? Or who's the dude you want rushing the passer? Or when you got a six footer to win the tournament, who's the dude you want in there to do it? So that's a mental component, right? That's like, am I, am I, can I handle this? And that's not for everybody either, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, but it is what it is. And when you get all three of those components, you get a guy like Michael Jordan, or you get a guy like Tiger Woods, or you get a guy like Tom Brady, right? That's the separation. They can put all three of those components together and be that guy. You talk and not everybody can do it. Yeah. That's okay though. Those pressure, pressure cooker moments. moments. Right? Man, Take me back to one of your pressure cooking moments to where in practice it's 10 out of 10, or maybe it's 20 out of 20, you were gonna sink the putt, hit the chip shot, maybe even a, uh, a simple par three and you gotta land it three to five feet away from the cup. What was that moment for you to where you felt like, you know what, I just choked, my asshole <laughs> became tight. It happens all the time. I had a chance to win the PGA Championship 
in 2011. And I also think you learn from your past experiences, right? So I'm kind of blessed that it happened. But at the time, this is my third year on tour. I'm leading a major with nine holes to go. I have a four shot lead and, and the wheels weren't round anymore. They were squares and all. <laughs> I'm hitting so every edge, right? So you you felt like you were Shaq at the yeah, free throw line. <laughs> yeah, I didn't feel good. I didn't respond well to it, right? But the nice thing was, is he, I didn't win that event, but I knew that I was close to being able to do that. So right. that the next time I had an opportunity to win a tournament, which was the next year, even though it wasn't a major, right. I felt better about it. Like, hey, I can handle this. I can do this. Um, you know, and I felt more comfortable. And then later on, I got in a position to win a major again, and I was able to use that past experience to do it. But yeah, like 2011, you know, I should have won that tournament, but I wasn't ready for it for whatever reason. But what I was able to do, like a lot of the great athletes, is use that as a positive experience, you know? And it did help that I finished second, and that check that came was pretty good, so that made me feel good too, right? So. Um, you know, and I think it's all the same. All the athletes are the same. We all play different sports, but we all have the same mindset, the same work ethic. All those things is what makes guys really talented and really great. And I honestly believe, like, it doesn't just stay in the sports realm, right? Like, I feel like I can be successful at whatever I want, even if I'm not playing golf anymore, because those foundations and those building blocks are right there, you know? Successful people, are successful. It doesn't matter if it's business, if it's sports, if it's music, if it's whatever, you know, they can be successful. You talk about those pressure moments and uh, how it didn't work out, but the flip side of that is we got this thing called a zone. You know, when Jordan hit 55 against my Knicks, so when Kobe dropped 82 against the Raptors, Tiger Woods winning uh, winning his, his tournament, the, the Masters. What was your in the zone moment or have you ever been there and what did that feel like? I have at times, I think it's tougher in golf because we have so much time lapse in between shots. There's a lot more time for your mind to wander, right? But it's just really about being in a space that you're comfortable and your thought process is clean. Um, the physical stuff with us comes and goes. Um, some weeks you just don't feel as good. Um, I think there's been different times and I might not even have won the tournament, but I had a day. That's the other thing that's hard with golf is it's four consecutive days, right? So it would be, that's like, you know, I, I kind of compare it to like four quarters, right? But y'all do a game in one day. Well, the first round of the tournament is like the first quarter, right? And then it's like the second quarter is the second day, but we're doing it over a long period of time. So let me ask you this. If you were playing a football game and you played the first quarter, no, but it was just quarters. Right, right. So you played the first quarter and you finished that 15 minutes and they said, hey, guys, we're done for the day. You all got to come back the next day. Think about all that stuff, good or bad, to where you could be, right? So it's hard to get in that zone and it happens quick in golf, but it's how do you do it for... You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if you were playing good, let's say y'all were up 17 nothing in the first quarter, everything's great. Mm. Y'all gonna be feeling so good going into the next day. I mean, we gotta but play that, another quarter? But then the next day, everything changes, you know? I never thought of it like that. So everything changes with us every day. I don't feel the same. 
I would like to feel the same all four days. I would love to play four rounds in one day, but it's not physically possible. You know, and the crazy thing in that that you you're bringing that up with us, we're we're like literally separated from the outside world for right. those four quarters. You guys, once you're done for one day, you can get a text that'll just throw something off or get you know, off. Go the highlights. The highlights. Get off that TV. social media. Yeah, I promise. Right? How do you stay? How do you? We talk about this all the time. Like, how do you stay right? focused over four days? Yeah. Think about if you played, if a quarterback played the first quarter and he threw three picks in the first quarter, and they're like, all right, man, you got to go home. We're going to play a second quarter tomorrow. He pops up his Twitter and, like, this dude's a donk. You can't do anything. Like, you wouldn't even want to play the next day, right? So, yeah, it's hard. You got to manage all that. Um, but getting in the zone, it happens. It happens quick. Most of the time, you don't even know. Like, sometimes I'll do stuff. I'm like, man, afterwards, I'm like, how did I do all of that? Like, I don't even know what was happening or how I accomplished that. And it usually comes to where your process, right? You, you, the results are gone. You're not thinking about results. You're not thinking about, I want to do X, Y, or Z. You're focused on all these checklists yep. that I need to do to play well, right? And I'm sure you guys had them. And you, you're constantly monitoring those. And we're doing the same thing, right? When you can get involved more in the process, less about the results that's when things really click you know and that picture of what you're trying to do becomes a reality and things that seem impossible become possible right so what is it like routine like people always want to know like i know for me when i get ready to go play around against some of my friends you know ideally i want to be there an hour early to be able to warm up but I believe like my game is like a cheetah. Have you ever seen a cheetah stretch before? You <laughs> is that what your golf game is like? It's, 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 it's a lot better than his. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. His no, game but is see, trash. But, th but this is a difference. His game is documented. Right. Since I do scrambles, mine is not documented. Yeah, I so like we that. really don't know if he's better than me or not. We we know why he's there for the scramble. Oh yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. No I'm pressure. No pressure. Casual. Nice. Know. Nice beverage. Maybe get a shot or two in, like you contributed, you know. Well, that's all I have to do. Yeah. Just get the ball close and then let my, you know, it's a team game. So for me, you just said golf wasn't a team game. For me, right. it's, it's totally Total a team, team game. Yeah, yeah. I bet it is. <laughs> so the routine for me on tournament rounds is I get to the course about three hours before. If I'm playing at noon, I'm there at nine. What does that look like? That's, I got to eat. So I eat, I do all that, use the bathroom, do all that, make sure I got time for all that. Then I'm in, we have fitness trailers that we use. I work with a guy, that's about 45 minutes. It's all functional training, it's all getting moving, yeah. um, getting stretched out, making sure my body's right, muscle activation stuff, getting everything tuned up. And then I usually hit the range about hour 15 before. And then I have a whole routine. I've got like 15 minutes of putting, and most of that is technical stuff, just making sure like, all right, I'm working on whatever it might be, alignment, or how my body moves with my putting. 15 minutes, just feel that, warm up. I hit about 60 or so balls. A lot of what I do pre-round is just getting loose and moving and making sure that all that's good. Hit some chips, pitches, then back to the putting green and I try to simulate what I'm gonna see on the golf course. So I'll hit a lot of different varying length of putts, um, different breaks, uphill, downhill, left to right, right to left, and I use my full routine. And I try to go about 10, 12 putts, 
so that I'm getting ready for what I'm going to see on the golf course, and then we go to the first tee. Here's the other thing that's tough that's with golf. Amazing. Look at Spice looking. That's amazing. You know why? He, he's, he's, he's stuck right now because he's like, I don't do this. Yeah. You ain't <laughs> got like three now, hours. Now you're giving him that's nuggets so when he goes back and plays, he's going to like, okay, this is how I need to warm up just to get right. Yeah. Here's the other thing with golf. Think about this. We play in the morning, and we also play in the afternoon. So I will have a 7.30 tee time. So think about what I just told you. I gotta be at the course. I gotta be at the course at 4:30, which means I gotta probably get up at four at the latest. Wow. Now sometimes I could have a late tea time on Thursday, which means I'll have an early, early tea time, time on Friday. So my window of recovering is short. I mean, how do y'all think you'd play if you had an 8 a.m. game in the NFL? That'd be like rough, crap. right? <laughs> be rough. Horrible. That would be bad. Terrible. Yeah. So that's another thing we deal with is like, I'm not a great morning person. So honestly, mornings are tough for me. Like I have to really work on that routine because that gives me the structure that I need to have a chance to be successful. You know what's so amazing about you, man? Like you're so analytical with every component of this sport. But what the fans don't know is that you are an avid football fan too, and you go yes. in when it comes to football. Yeah, football's big. We going now. Now is is we're here in the plains. Thank at, you. I'm Thank not you. even gonna say. I, I won't say it to the end. We, we still have to make a bet. Oh, oh. this game. Auburn versus Ole Miss today, or I should say Ole Miss versus yep. Auburn today. Points or no points? You probably I, I, need. I'm the, not a gambler. I'm just like. You need the points. I, need the I point. think. Yeah. We ain't give no points. Okay, well then we got a win. We got a winner. I hate this. I'm against both like Auburn Tigers here. This is terrible, man. But talk about your love for football and and how you're so analytical, even when it comes to football, because a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, football is literally. Um, I love football. I love this time of year. September rolls around. I know where I'm gonna be. Yeah. Um, Takiyo's been in my house. He's seen. He sees what happens on. He see. He's seen what happens on Saturdays and Sundays at my house. Shut it down. There's five TVs, there's couches, there's the whole show. And you're still in Auburn, right? You're yep. still, yeah, still here. So I love football. Um, obviously, I live in Auburn. I went to school at Auburn. Yeah. I love that atmosphere. I love college football. Um, I grew up in Cleveland, which is hard to be a football yeah, fan, yeah, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. But, um, you know, I love football, and, and this is my favorite time of the year. And I love understanding why teams do what they do you know there's a reason why x y and z team is not as good sometimes it's talent sometimes it's scheme sometimes it's execution but i love watching football not just from a fan like casual fan standpoint i love you know from the i love auburn i watch auburn that type of thing but i like to understand why teams are good and what they're doing and why they're not playing as well and, and all these things. So yeah, I'm into it. Um, and I think all that stuff matters. And you guys will agree, college football is about the, the kids. Yeah. More often than not, talent wins in college football. There's a reason why you know, the top teams are usually the top teams in the recruiting cycle every year. They're getting the best kids. They're getting yeah. more of the best kids. So you can have the opportunity to have some kids not play or not work out. And then NFL is on the flip side. Pretty much everybody in the NFL is really good. Yep. Right? You're the best of the best, and the teams are matched up evenly. So now we need the coaches, right, to install the scheme and the system and the culture. I'm sure I still haven't figured out what the culture, culture is, is, 
but I know it exists, it's right? It's almost like a vibe. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and there's a reason why the good teams in the NFL are always good for the most part. And the teams that are shitty are usually always shitty. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, so with your expertise today, you know, this is our version of uh, our college game day right here on the Plains, Auburn versus Ole Miss. Ole Miss, baby. Like, what's your analysis today? You're looking at an Auburn football team, uh, came into this season with a lot of high expectations. Uh, we took an L last week against LSU. But it still was a lot of great things I felt like the Auburn Tigers football team did in that football game. So when we look at this matchup going against Ole Miss, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to seeing? Well, I think today with this game specifically, um, there's going to be a talent gap. We have more talent than LSU. It is what it is, right? Um, you know, I think they'll have to scheme. They're going to have a hard time moving the ball on offense, in my opinion. Our defense is one of the best yeah, defenses yeah, in the out, country. Out, out. What you guys do really well is a lot of that um, read option RPO, stuff yeah, yeah. and a little bit of RPO with, with Rich Rodriguez. But that's our strength, man. Right. It's going to be hard to run and the you ball. You guys practice against it every, every yep. day. And we got, we got dudes on the defensive line. We got a guy that's probably going to be one of the top five picks in the draft. We got some other guys. So it's going to be hard to run against us. And as you guys know, the defensive line, when they're good, what's that make the job for the linebackers? Yeah. A lot they're easier, they're right? They're easy, yeah. and the cornerbacks, too. And the too. cornerbacks, yeah. they get after take gamble a little bit gamble more. Gamble a little lines, bit more. Their back, so. and, the, and I think if they can figure out a way to pass it, if they can have a chance. Um, but, you know, then you roll down to the other side on our offense. There's been a lot of questions about our offense. Yeah. You know, we struggled against some better teams. We looked really good against, you know, Arkansas, Mississippi State. I think for us on offense, it's just going to be down to execution. Yeah. Um, you know, are the guys doing their assignments right? Um, I think can Bo Nix make some better reads, some better, you know, a lot of the stuff he's been struggling with is the RPO stuff. Yep. That's quick time stuff, right? It's new. It's been two or three years. I don't even think they run it in the NFL. You probably don't have enough time to run it. Um, but he struggled with that. Uh, identifying is this a passing opportunity? Obviously, the run is always yeah. safe, right? So, you know, and, and here's the thing people are frustrated. They're discouraged with Auburn football right now. We play some really good teams. We played a Florida team that's really good. We played an LSU team that's really good. And when I look at it, to me, you know, it hasn't been as much about scheme and can we compete. It's been more about the execution. At some point, it comes down to the players having to do their assignments and being able to execute what they're supposed to do. If you look back last week, we had issues on the offensive line, false starts, centers not snapping the ball. That's not on the coaches. That's an execution issue. We had wide receivers dropping the ball in certain situations. Um, you know, and it just comes down to an execution level and can you execute at a high level? Why does that not happen? I don't know. I'm not around enough, but it looks to me that Auburn football, in my opinion, is one of the best five or six teams this year. And it's just when you play LSU and you play Florida and you play Bama and you play Georgia and your talent might be, you know, if they're a 10 out of 10 on talent and you're an 8 out of 10, like you can't make these mixtapes, right? You can have them but we can't have 30% of them. Right. Right. And that's the difference between winning and losing. Yeah. It's a small fraction. Right. Um, you know, and, and people should be excited about this football team. We have four weeks left of the season. We have two really good teams coming home. 
And if we beat all four and some things kind of go the right way, there's going to be a discussion about Auburn being part of the Final Four or whatever they call it now. Yeah. You know, there. if we go 10-2 and two and finish out 10-2, and two, if LSU wins out, Ohio State wins out, Clemson wins out, they're in, okay? There's going to be a discussion between Auburn Absolutely. and Oregon and maybe Oklahoma and maybe a Penn State if they have one loss about who's going to be that final team. And we're going to have a solid argument. So, you know, I think people should be excited. we got amazing defense. I think offense we could execute a little bit better. Um, you know, maybe get a little better in the red zone. That's yeah. part on Gus. Like, but hey, man, we got a great team. People should enjoy it. There's some great games coming up, and I think we're gonna roll up on Ole Miss tonight. Oh, right. Here we, we go. Right here we go. We gonna roll over him. That's how you feel. That's how you feel. What's the bet? Let's let's talk about that. We already know the question. Auburn is gonna roll over Ole Miss. That's our thoughts. Of course, you're thinking the other way. Wait, 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 these guys here both talked to my basketball team. Yes. This guy talked to him about mental toughness. Yes. And this guy talked to him about just toughness, toughness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's the guy. And they, and they both and they both were pretty amazing. That's, That's why they play great defense. So, so okay, so there's a loud number here. I know what the answer is gonna be. What's gonna happen today, tonight I should say, when Ole Miss shows up here? going against you guys. I'm not going to say your name, you guys. There's going to be big stress in the Auburn community if that happens. If we get the win. Yeah, that's going to be big stress for Auburn folks. If I get out of here with the win, I want everybody to say Tucson is the great King Tut was right. That's all I want everybody let me to say. Just, let me just say this. There's a chance that our defense scores more than your offense. I, I like There's those, a chance. I like those that would be a better bet. That would be a better bet. That would be a better bet. I can't. Oh my goodness. Man, we out, man. No, Jake. One question. If you, if you were playing football today, what position would you be playing? Punter. 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 Kicker. Kicker. They make what? Who makes? Who makes more money, the kickers or the punters? Kickers, right? Man, I need a more respect. Yeah, we need, we need somebody. All that pressure you can handle on punts, on chips. Kick. I like kickers. You gotta have a position with somebody. You gotta have a kicker. Kicker is a dude. I give me a regular position. A regular position. You know what we do to kickers? You know what we do to them? Tell them what we do to kickers. We do to kickers, right? When they because kickers in practice go out, they early, do their own thing, do their own thing, they're not doing the conditioning with us right. and everything. So, what we do is we take their cars, drive them onto the practice field, fill them up with popcorn, <laughs> grease them with Vaseline, and toilet paper them. So, when they come that's out to the field early, that's the code. So when they come out to the field early, that's what they see out there because they get to leave and don't have to run with us and everything. So, you still want to be a kicker? No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go free safety. How's that sound? That'll work. That'll work. That'll, That'll work, work, man. Good stuff. Thanks Good stuff, for stopping man. by. No problem, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Yep. All right, two. We got round two. Oh man. Two. Round two. <laughs> this behind the mask podcast. Another special guest. 
just an all everything, man. Like this school really was known to be a football school. Yeah, yeah. But when you got Bruce Pearl who comes into town and shows promise the first day that he gets here, takes us to the final four, we had an opportunity to win it all. Yeah. But look, yeah. we'll get into that later. But we want to introduce to the podcast absolutely. Bruce Pearl. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, Thanks for joining us, It's Coach. good to so be with love. you two guys. And to KO, we are always going to be a football school. Yeah. Period. The end. And I'm <laughs> celebrate that. I'm on. I'm straight on the Gus bus. Yeah. <laughs> My seatbelt's fastened, and I'm on. The, I've always been on the Gus bus. I love so it. I so love have it. I. So have no I. No doubt. You know what I mean. But um, thank you for joining us. Yeah. But let, let's let's talk about you know even though it's Ole Miss Auburn football Saturday, yeah. uh, some of the success that you had last year yep. uh, with the perception of not having enough good shooters coming back this year, right? As you had last year. What are your questions or what are your answers to that? Just show let everybody know like. Auburn will still compete, and we're going to do it at a high level. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, look, the SEC is the real deal. Yeah. All right, yeah. So if you can compete in this conference, you can compete nationally. We know that. And and basketball's gotten better. They've gone out and hired some great coaches. They've invested in the programs, and we're getting better kids. Like last year, in the in the NBA draft, there are 60 spots. 25 kids came out of the ACC and the SEC. 13 ACC, 12 SEC. Wow, and I they mean, led the, the entire nation. That's right. Those two by far led the 25 out of 60. So the best basketball right now is being played right now in those two leagues. And you could never say that about SEC basketball before. Um, special group. Coaches can help players win games. Players win championships. The locker room wins. You have to have enough dudes. But if you got enough dudes, that doesn't mean you're going to win it. But when them dudes decide we're going to win it, it's done. It's over. You know You know what I'm talking I'm about. Yeah. That's what our group kind of did. They bought in. They trusted each other. They weren't jealous of each other's success. They weren't afraid. They respected their opponent, but we weren't afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And you have, to, you, have to have, you have to roll like that. And, of course, you know me. I'm always going to talk, right? Yeah. I'm going to talk, <laughs> and then I get my players to, to back me up, back yeah, my, yeah, yeah, back my big down. mouth up. Listen, man, but with your talk, though, you backed it up yourself. You got uh, SEC Coach of the Year a couple of times, bought your team. Man, I don't, I don't, they don't give me Coach of the Year. I don't need Coach of the Year. Listen, but, but it speaks for, your resume speaks for itself. How do you get the team to buy in again after so much success last year yeah. and stay hungry to do but, it again? First of all, here's my management style. I, I'm not going to make every right decision. My guys know I work hard, but I also they also know you got to overcome me sometimes. I'm going to make these decisions to the best of my ability. Now go make these decisions work. I'm not saying I don't talk down to them. Like, like, like again, Takeo, you got two. You were really, really good, but you needed the guy in front of you and behind you helped you be really, really good. And it's just like that on the back. So last year's over. Rearview mirrors, real small, front wind chills, real big. Let's look straight ahead and see what we got, you know? Now, we lost maybe three of the best players to ever play at that position, Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, and Shumo Kiki. Yep. We, got, we got guys that are, that are that are waiting their turn, and, and uh, you know, every team's got a new chemistry. We're going to be bigger, we're going to be longer, we're going to be very athletic, we won't shoot as well, we won't be as quick, and we'll be very, very inexperienced. So schedule is tough early, we'll see. Uh, and it's about, it's about getting better throughout the season. It's about getting exposed. And then, and then making the adjustments you didn't make. To, you know, are you good enough to win this game? And then get to the next game, the next game, and that's what we're, that's how we we'll roll. Well, you talked about adjustments. That's big in every game. You look at football, basketball. Jason Duffner was here, even in golf. 
What's the adjustment when you lose those type of great players and you have to go out on the road and recruit enough other young great players yep. that you have to fine tune? What's your pitch to them to be able to get them to come and play? Like, what makes right. you that great recruiter? Well, number one, Jared Harper's dad and Bryce Brown's dad said this. It's one of the greatest compliments I've ever got. So, you know what? We didn't always agree with him. We didn't always agree with him, but he never lied to us. He never lied to us. And so if you recruit him the right way, in the sense that you got to believe in him. But look, I ain't trying to date these kids. I ain't trying to be their girlfriend, right? I ain't calling them all the time. I ain't begging them. You mean to tell me you ain't calling them all the time? I'm not calling them all the time. You got texting them now? Every other coach is calling them, texting them more. There you go. I want to coach them. Yeah. And, and, And it's not that I'm not willing to work hard, but if you get into some sort of a courtship, Hey, they called you and texted you way more than they did when you was playing for them. All of a sudden, you was playing for them. They're constantly, where's your ass? You're supposed to be a study table. You know, right? That's yeah. what, So, no, my big thing is don't promise them a rose garden. Promise them an opportunity. Promise that you'll coach them hard. Promise that you believe in them. But, 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 and I think that's, that's, that's our key. The other thing, too, we recruit, and, and I think Ole Miss is like this, too. I think you guys share yeah. a common campus in the sense that you went to Ole Miss because the people that were there. The way they treated you, the way they loved you, the way they supported you, and and in a, a great college town, a great environment. There's not enough of that in this world in higher education. Like the way Ole Miss is doing it, the way Auburn doing it, and so that's what we recruit to. Now, if you want something else, if you want faster, if you want a, if you want a big nightlife, if you want agents and women and you know all kind, then you maybe need to go someplace bigger. Because here, you're gonna work and grind, and, and we'll get you ready. Coach, I always tell you now, we, we talked about this with Duff a couple of minutes ago. I say I'm the best pound-for-pound pound athlete amongst our crew. Spice was a better football player, but he can't beat me in basketball. Probably can't in bowling. Definitely can't in baseball. So I played basketball in my high school days. Yeah, you, you, got, you got where, where you from? You got a little I'm better. York, you got right? a little bit yeah. Eastern. Yeah, yeah, I can York. feel that. Because he said ball. Yeah, yeah, ball. Ball. Basketball. You know, ball. 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 I, I can still do it at, at 42 <laughs> if I had to. Right, right. So when you recruit these kids, do you look for the all-around athletes or do you focus on straight on just, just basketball, you know, basketball players? I like dimensions. I like dimensions. I don't need five shooters. I don't need five rebounders. I need five ball hunters. I need a rebound, shoot, ball hand. I like different dimensions. I like guys that have some greatness in some areas. Um, I, I don't want to have too much. Sometimes less is more. You got to have a couple of stars, but but you don't need all stars. You need some other guys that'll do the grunt work and, yeah. and things like that. Um, That's you, like the grunt work. Yeah. yeah you got, skill. <laughs> like, hey, I told him like an Anthony Mason guy. He did a rebound. Yeah, oh, <laughs> this guy, How about Mace, yeah. Just because everybody from New York. He's Anthony Mason. He's Anthony Mason. He's Anthony Mason. You know, his, his, his son played for us uh, a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Antoine absolutely. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, man, I just I just think that uh, get now, now, we'll say this. Dudes in New York and Philly and, and, and the East, they got a little bit different swagger and they know the game a little bit. They follow the game because they, they they're not playing as much football. Right, they're not right, playing as much baseball. Right. They're not doing those other things. The best athletes play basketball, and sometimes in the southeast, the best athletes play football. Yeah. You know, Coach, I want to ask you this: the uh, a few months ago, California they legalized the well, not necessarily legalized, yeah. but they passed the act as far as the fair play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, players now, college players, can become compensated yep. on their likeness and their image. Uh, how do you feel about that? And does it change anything what you do as far as 
going out, you always say, I'm not selling you a dream. Right. But I will promise you an opportunity. That's right. How does that come into play with what you do? Well, we're going to have to see how it plays out. Yeah. All right. Uh, first of all, there are way smarter minds that, than, than me and all of us going to figure this thing out. But it's complicated. Look, I don't think the system is broken. I think this is working. Yeah. I think, the, the, the look, football, you guys paved the way. Basketball, we make a little bit of money too, but it, it funds a lot of women's sports. It funds a lot of other things on campus. Intercollegiate athletics brought diversity to this country like it's never been seen, right? When the African-American athletes finally got into college because of their athletic ability first, then they figured out they were smart, and then females came, and then other bright brothers without athletics came, changed our world. We can't forget that, I believe, right? At the same time, it's not right that coaches or universities, the proportion for the compensation isn't right. We gotta get it back in a balance. When you guys play, there was no such thing as cost of attendance. Tuition room, board books, if you wanted extra money, you had to go get a summer job. Not anymore. Our guys are getting about six, seven thousand dollars above their scholarship, all of our student athletes. So it's it's a better scholarship right now. There are more and they just need to keep on making it better. How that works with likeness and all this stuff, I just I don't know. If, if, if the model changes dramatically, you know, we'll make the adjustment. I'm glad they're looking at trying to balance it up and help the student athletes more. I'm very, I'm all for that. If it was one thing that they say, you know what, Coach Burrow, if it was one thing that you could implement into what we're trying to do to be able to help the players out, what would it be? You know, one thing I've always thought of, and, and, I, and I think it's okay, is this, is this. I'd love to see some sort of annuity set up. Yeah, in the, in the sense that, okay, we've got this pro- kind of like profit sharing. Yeah. You know, now, what would have to happen, though, is football players would probably get a little bit more of the profit sharing because you make more of the money. Right. Basketball would get some profit sharing. If the other sports don't make money, there wouldn't be profit sharing for them. But because there's no profits, there's no sharing. Yeah. And I think that might be a way of then doing it because, you know, I know, look, deferred compensation, there's something to be said for that. If you know you got, hey, right now you, you're in college, and then you're going to go out there and you're going to play professionally. Wouldn't it be nice when you're done playing yeah. professionally if in addition to your pension you had some deferred compensation from your college days? Yeah. So that's just an idea that I've always had. But look, again, I ain't trying to get myself into trouble yeah, here because yeah, we're yeah. supposed to <laughs> take a big fat shut up, Coach Burrow. <laughs> we would never do never that to you on the Behind the Mask podcast. Coach, I totally agree because now you're actually empowering these these young men and young women saying, hey, you know what, when you're done, you have something to look forward to. You don't right. have to spend it all now. If right. I got a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars in college, I would have bought sneakers or video games. Right. So what's that going to really do for you? Right. So now you're actually saying, you know what, when you're done, you have something to look forward right. to. Right. And maybe the longer you're in, the more your money you make, yeah. and then yeah. you get it, and the money gets invested for you, and boom. And then all of a sudden, when you get out there, you, you could buy that house, you could set something up, you, it takes money to make money, get that business, so on and so forth. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm glad you're heading in that direction. Yeah. Amazing, Coach, man. I, I, I wish I had more eligibility to that because my first time <laughs> meeting you, man, your, your energy is infectious. Yeah. I love your coaching style. What makes your coaching style different than some of the other coaches out there? What do you think makes you or separates you from other coaches? I would say, I, I don't know that it separates me, but one of the things that I've done is, like, I love when former players come in. I like, you know, we, we have different, we, the military will come in and talk about patriotism. Law enforcement will com, come in and talk about how to stay out of, get yourself out of situations and stay out of situations. Right. Females will come in about how they want to be treated by a man. Yeah. We, it's our job to educate our kids, okay? Um, but but for me, this has become more of a ministry in this yeah. sense. You know, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a, I'm a pray first. Yeah. That's what I, I've had that on for years. I'm going to pray Maybe. first. Maybe. I'm just going to try to wake up and go, what would God have me do today? And if I get my young guys to do it, look, you guys are tall, dark, and handsome. I'm an old man. 
And when you was younger, they were all running up at that, running up at you, right? And all kinds of stuff. I thought the only thing you had was a fear of getting caught, losing, getting in trouble. Well, maybe there was a higher voice talking to you, saying, "You know what? Mama put that in my life. Somebody yeah. put that God in my life. And you know what? I'm gonna do the best I can, given all that's out there, to try to do it as He would have me do." That's yeah. how you guys develop the discipline to get up early. Yes. I tell people, you know what? Hire an athlete. Hire a student athlete. You know what? They got up early than the other students. They were tired all day. They weren't afraid to compete. They weren't afraid to fail. They put it on the line. They know something about teamwork and organization, right? That I can't do without you. And so um, that's all we've done is that ministry. And then, and then, just like you guys, people follow you. They look at you. We're gonna fail. I'm gonna fail. I'm gonna sin. I'm gonna make mistakes. And when I do, it's doubly compounded because people trust that I'm gonna, as a coach and a teacher, I'm supposed to get it right. I try. You guys do the same thing. And so I tell my guys, be the shining light. Yeah. Let the light shine on you. And that's why I, I love our football program. I mean, I, I, I love what Gus does. I love the leadership that he provides. Because, he's, look, he, he's helping to become great players. He's holding them accountable to great men. Yeah. And that, that's going to serve those kids for a long time. We know the success that you had last year, taking us all the way to the Final Four. Love it. The excitement is back when it comes to basketball. <laughs> we want to know what should we look forward to this year. Not necessarily going I mean, we right. like to be back I know. in the Final Four. Yeah. But, like, who are some of the young guys that have caught your eye that what we haven't seen yeah. in private, what will be displayed in yeah. public? Isaac Coro is a, is a young man that, that uh, he was my top recruit. And he's, he's, he's a, when you see him, he look like you guys. I mean, he looks like he's playing the defensive end. He's a big, strong, physical kid. I've only had one player in my career that could guard one through five, point guard through center. He, he can do it. Incredible athlete, very, very unselfish. Uh, he'll be playing in the NBA in a year or two at some point. He's going to get there. So we'll really be better at his position. Devin Cambridge is a high flyer, a very, very long, very athletic. Tyrell Jones, a ball handler, point guard that, that got a chance to be a terrific scorer. Jalen Williams, left-handed, long, athletic. How about this one here? Ready for this one? Baba Tunde, Adebayo, Akingbola. We call him, We just call him Stretch. We just call him Stretch. And he's got a chance to be, you know, again, really good. And and and, and Alan Flanagan, uh, uh, Coach Flanagan's son, all freshmen, six freshmen. It's not about where you start. It's about where you finish. A couple of those young boys got to step up and be men this year. But they've all got to be ready in, in a couple years. My job is not to put them out there too soon to fail. But when they do be out there, put them in a position, you know, where they can be successful. I think one of the things that fans don't understand, these kids care. They care. Right now, my guys are worried that they can't cast the checks that last team wrote. Last year was a Final Four team. We lost five dudes. They're really good. My guys want to be a great team. They're working to be a great team, but we're a different team. I'm going to judge them based on what they're capable of. I'm not going to hold them to that standard. Yes, our program is proud to have gone to the, the Final Four, and we'd like to go back again, and maybe this group can get us there. But for me, I just want this group to do the best they can and have their own identity. Yeah. Coach, you know what, what, I, what I want to ask is um, this 2019-2020 team had some success, you know, last year, but how do you teach your players how to handle success and how to handle adversity? Because right. in sports, it happens all the time. It does. So, so here's what I say. Adversity reveals character it may build character but i ain't interested in a lot of adversity to build my character yeah, no thank you yeah. nobody's not <laughs> nobody but it will reveal it yeah stuff goes bad yeah, man anybody can sail it when the seas are calm and the winds are fair it's when the, it's when it starts to blow and chop who's going to jump overboard who's going to have all hands on deck 
So you got to prepare the kids for losses, prepare them from adversity and ask them, show them to be at their best when things are at their worst. And when they're not, call it out. You got to call it out. You panicking? You blaming somebody else? You, you, no, this isn't going well. Do something else. Get a stop. Get a rebound. You missed a shot. So what? Next play. Right. Handle the adversity. And as far as, look, handling the success, that's not an issue. I'm on them so hard. I'm, I'm on them so hard. You know, we won, we won an exhibition game by 40 the other night. I was yelling at the locker room. They go, this man is crazy. What did you find wrong, wrong with a 40-point win? win? What could plenty, go wrong in a 40-point Plenty. Point? Plenty. But, yeah, no, it, it, look, young men still want discipline. Young men still want to be coached. They do. And I, I just think that, uh, you know, uh, that we don't want to ever lose that in our society. You guys have always respect for your coaches. Yeah. That doesn't mean the coach was always right, but you understood their, their role, and it's just like being a father. Your dad ain't always right, but he's still your dad. Yeah, that's true. Or your grandfather, or your, somebody in your family. My last question I have for you is this. You talked about, it's all about the coach, making sure that you're all on the same page, you're on the same accord. Talk about some of your assistant coaches who are <laughs> formerly Auburn players. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, do we got to serve this up to you? Because you might be able to take some of this to listen, 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 but, listen. Yeah, but you can't do it by yourself. No. All right, I say, uh, let's get let's get Marquise Daniels over hey, in the back. Hey, come on, Marquise. Hey, come on, jump up in here, big fella. Come on, come on Marquise. Ma. Come on, young fella. Yeah. All right, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, my players see who I'm hiring. What kind of men am I hiring? What kind of fathers am I hiring? What kind of men of God am I hiring, right? Because yeah. I'm telling them, these are the guys I want to surround you with because these are the men I want you to emulate and be like. I got Marquise Daniels, a 10-year pro, yeah. one of the hardest play, a story about overcoming. This yeah. dude wasn't supposed to get out of the neighborhood, yeah. period. He got out. And then the other thing, too, is he's saving others. He's just saving others. So guys like Marquise, Wes Flanagan, who, yeah. who played here at Auburn, right? Yeah. Beat cancer. And, and his family, a great high school coach. True to coach, better man, better father. Ira Bowman. All right. Ivy League player of the uh, Ivy League player of the year. A smart, real smart dude, right? Like, why is he coaching basketball? I'm like, Ira, you graduated from 10. The one school of business dude, you should be like owning your own investment company, right? Right? What are you doing coaching? Five-year NBA player. So if I can surround my guys with former players that also did it, did it the hard way and grinded, then then we got ourselves, we got to fight. I, hey, I got the best staff in America, period, because of guys like Marquise. Respect, Case. Hey, man, just trying to do what I do. <laughs> I'm still going to get you to wear that old Miss blanket when we win tonight. Oh. That going to happen. <laughs> I told him if you got two of them. We'll take two. You got two? I got one. Ah. You got two? Don't touch it until we win now, Coach. I can't even touch yeah, it until you win. Until we win. I have to worry. I don't have to worry about. I have to worry about touching it. Then. <laughs> you might need that just to wipe your tears. <laughs> terrible, terrible. I love it. I love Coach, it. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you, man. One love. Same. Right back at you. Yeah, yeah, Appreciate you guys. Right, Happy for this, man. This is thank good. You, thank you. So many guests coming by today. Oh, man. Rolling them out, Spike. It's a damn shame we don't have enough time, but that's okay. <laughs> but we had to save time. It was a, it was imperative a month for my homeboy, Marquise Daniels. Oh, you know what I mean? Straight out of Orlando. 
piece, man. We appreciate you stopping man, by the show today, I appreciate y'all having me over here, man. You know, it's good to be among some of the hard hitters, man. Yeah. <laughs> good to be yeah. here. Well, from one hard hitter to another, man, that's the reason why we had to get you yeah. on. Uh, beautiful atmosphere out here today. And I would be remiss that we got to give a shout out to Alabama Power for being able to set all of this up for us. So we appreciate you for making everything work. Yes, but uh, let's get right to it, though. So we, before we get into the basketball, we got this beautiful setting here. I would like to call this a game today, but I think it's going to be a slaughterhouse. No question. From Auburn just running rampant over Ole Miss. Yeah. It ain't going to be good for the other team. I know that much. You can't even say our name? It ain't going to be good for them guys. It ain't going to be good for them guys. Oh, my goodness. We appreciate y'all coming, though. But hold on. Yeah, we appreciate y'all coming. Yeah. You can't talk for so much because cause Ole Miss got y'all in basketball now. Y'all did, y'all did. As the most recent This history. year? They, they, they beat us twice this, this year. year. They beat us year. twice. They beat us twice. This year? Yeah. Not this. Most oh, recent. Last... I said most recent. Listen, man, this is a new year. New year. You're absolutely right. New year. It's just a new year, right? But we talking about football right <laughs> now. Yeah. So, like, hey, so tell me about it, though. It's, it's, you obviously, you came here to play basketball. We crossed paths. But give us the experience of what it's like just to be here as a basketball player, just on game day and football, seeing so many people walk around. Man, it's, it's like a big family reunion, man. You just look at the atmosphere now. It's just, just being around your family. Everybody loves you, everybody walking up to you, just appreciating you for what you're doing. It makes you want to play hard. And if you're not playing hard, you feel like you're letting them down. So just to be back around this atmosphere, just playing hard in front of these people that come out and support you every night, yeah, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, man. We talk about the name of the podcast is Behind the Mask because we get the innermost thoughts of every one of our guests. Yeah. Tell us how or when did it occur to you, you know what, I have enough talent. I might make it to the league one day. I might play on a professional level. Man, honestly, for me, it was a little different. Like, I didn't even think I was going to come to college, to be honest with you. So, to even think about the NBA, I mean, as a kid, of course, you're looking at it like, man, I want to play on that level. But I didn't know all the steps to take to get there. But once I got here and I started playing and being around some of the guys that had the bigger names, it just made me realize that whatever they put behind your name don't mean nothing to me. You got to show me. And when I get out there on the court, I, I, you're going to show me. I'm going to show you. And just coming up from my environment just showed me that it don't matter where you're coming from. You just go out there and you put your all into it and let the rest take place. Was it a dream of yours? It's always been a dream, you know, just to make it to that next level, just to pretty much help my family, my mom get out of the situation she was in. So just knowing I had to work hard to get there, that was always, that's pretty much my, my outcome for everything. So when you look at it, this is the thing that I love about your story. Uh, you go on, people know, you came here, went to the league. But you were undrafted. Yeah. And people don't know what all of that entails. They think once you make it, you make it. But talk about the work ethic, the grind, all the stories that I heard. Because you were not supposed to make it. You ended up going to the NBA playing 10 years. Yeah. So, like, uh, what all went into that to make Marcus uh, Day? Man, just going back to the draft night, um, you know, just hearing everybody's name go. And after the first round, I almost cried, man. I went outside. I saw my mom, she was standing there looking at me like, it's going to be all right, son. So I just looked at it and I told her, I'm going to make everybody pay. Like, I don't care if you're on my team, you're playing against me, everybody going to pay for, for not looking at me. And uh, I just had a bigger chip on my shoulder. From training camp, I went in at Dirk Nowinski, Michael Finn, and Steve Nash. I don't care, y'all. Like, I need to see y'all. Like, y'all in my way. I'm trying to get where I'm going. And it just made me hungry, man. A lot of people say they, they hungry for it, but I was starving. Like, I, I got I to get it. I got to find a way to feed my mom and my family and my brothers because I'm okay to struggle, but I don't want them struggling because I know what they've been through 
to help me to get to where I'm at. And just, just every day, man, every year feeling like I had to prove myself. Even when I signed, I, I, I still had a tip. I, I got to prove myself. And 10 years later, you yeah. ended up yeah. having a wonderful career. Everybody is proud of you. And I think the thing that you said it, but I want people to understand, your circumstances of what you where you came from is what really drove you, right? Yeah, man, it was, it was just rough, man. I mean, it's the typical stuff you see on TV that you're like, man, it's not really like that, but it's really, that stuff really happens, you know? Like, even when I got drafted, my brother was in jail. Like, my youngest brother just, just really getting out from doing 12 years, like, he's 10 years younger than me. Yeah. So it's like this type of stuff I'm having to deal with. Even when I first came here, my scores kept getting kicked out. I'm really not ready to play. Then one of my best friends get killed, and it's like, man, I ain't going back to school, man. I'm done with it. You know, it's just, I just had every reason to quit. But it was just like, you know, just growing up, being in church battle, church background, and understanding that, you know, God bring you so far just to see how much you want it. Because he, he ain't going to give you everything, but he's going to put it in front of you to see how much you want it. Yeah. And it was just me just coming from that background, just understanding that I got to take a chance. You know, our self-doubt is what we tell each other so much, and just doubting ourselves. And you just got to go out there and do it, man. Just like anything in life. Yeah. If you want it, you got to go get it. You know, he's going to put it there for you, but you, it's up to you to go get it. Everybody ain't gonna get handed to him. You gotta go get it. You know, just coming from that background, man. You gotta be. You gotta go get it. Yeah. With your story, a lot of people would have folded under that type of pressure. Yeah. Coach Pearl on there earlier. We talked about that um, pressure and adversity. You're coaching now. Right. So how do you teach this generation of, of student athletes now how to deal with pressure, handle success, and overcome adversity? Uh, man, just it's just helping them to understand that what they think is a problem. It's not a problem. Like they may be going through something with missing a shot or this and that. It's like, man, this is your happy place. I don't care what coach telling you, what the fans saying, you can't let nobody take you out of your happy place. Like you, you giving a talent that only God could take from you. I don't care what you're going through, man. Like enjoy this cause I got three screws and a sling in my spine. I was forced to stop. Like don't never take yourself off the court, whether it's school, dealing with girls or drawers, anything. Don't take yourself off the court. Don't take yourself off the field. Enjoy what God's giving you, man, and take full advantage of it. It's not promised to you. Coach Burrow talked about he could never do what he's done alone. And he raved about his assistant coach, which are former guys who played the game and also played here. Uh, your role now as a coach giving back to the youth what has been some of the hardest or the challenging things? Because every generation is a different problem that really presents itself. And so, do you kid, please shed light on some of those problems and like some of the things that you have to, some things that we may look at as minuscule, right. but it's big to them and that how you insert yourself, yourself with West Flanagan to be able to let these guys know it's bigger than what you actually looking at. Right. Um I think probably one of the biggest challenges for me was the social media. Just everybody feeling entitled. You know, the one of the, the microwave, just right away. The one right now. Just right away. And if it don't happen right away, man, I'm leaving. I don't like, it, very people want to work. And don't get me wrong, like, from where we grew up and where we played, we had to grind for it. They probably a lot more talented than we were, but they don't have that grit and grind. And just trying to put that into them, like you get that talent and that grit and grind with it, like and you see some of the players that have it, it's like man, that boy animal. He's he a different player. Then you got some that's like hell prima donna. You know, he was soon as halftime, he checking his Instagram, he putting his on. Like 
I'm posting this picture, like, yeah, what, yeah. like, that's probably one of my biggest challenges. I still deal with, like, that ain't going to help you do nothing. You know, right. guys, like, I'm a three-star, I'm a four five star Man, basketball and football is played on earth, not in the sky. Okay, what stars you are? Like, you got to play here. So that's probably one of the biggest challenges I have that they, they see somebody like, oh man, we playing such and such. That's a name. They still got to get out here and show you. And that's the biggest thing that like, like I run last year, we played the big name schools and everybody's like, man, we got to play such and such. Respect who they are, but know who you are. Understand who you are. You here for a reason, you put that work in. They put their stuff on just like you. Ain't no reason to be afraid of them. And go play the game. At the end of the day, if you can look in that mirror and be like, man, I did what I had to do, deal with it. Just live with it. Just live with it. I'm talking about putting work in. You did that story career in the NBA. I tell people I play basketball. I wasn't the greatest. Man, but, I, but, but here we go. So yeah, yeah, I got to. I got Every to. cat from New York got to be yeah, in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to. But, I can still dunk. That's that's my that's my claim to fame is I can still dunk at 290 pounds. What was one of your most memorable highlights if you had one in the NBA? Man, oh, uh, a moment that stuck out or, or a season that stuck out, something that you know made you like, this is this is yeah, I'm I'm, probably, I'm that dude. Probably um, just making it to the finals, just making it to the finals and just playing and just that stage. With Dallas, right? With, with, with Dallas, I made it twice. With Dallas and Boston, I lost in the finals twice. The only reason in Dallas it, it hurt, but it didn't hurt as bad because my daughter was born after the after the game. So it was like, I'm out, man. My daughter finna be born. But just getting on that stage and just everybody around you, it's like, man, this is like it's almost surreal. Just how everybody just comes to you, it's just so much love. You walk in restaurants, people pay you food. Like, man, it's all right. So it's just just that stage right there, just on the stage, just being on that stage, man. It's hard to get there. You played with some uh, amazing uh, teammates, yeah. uh, Dirk Whiskey, you know, uh, Celtics, two Celtics, smaller uh, famous. Um, who had the most impact on your career as a young player? Um, somebody early was uh, probably Steve Nash. Uh, just I never never forget like beginning of practice my rookie year. He was like, "Hey rookie, how good you want to be?" And I was like, "I want to be really good." And he was like, "Don't do what everybody else is doing." I'm like, "What you mean?" What does that mean? Yeah, right. Like, what you mean? Yeah, I see some guys, you know, they get in shots and they leaving early. So I'm thinking that's what you're supposed to do. This is what, so just taught me to stay in late. You know, come early, get your shots up, get your work in. Always ask questions and, you know, just follow somebody that's doing right. Because it's easy to go left, do whatever. Because at a young age, you're getting a lot of money and a lot of free time. That's just a remedy for trouble. So it's just learning from those type of guys, just those seasoned vets that, you know, just learning what you need to do, learning the ins and outs of the games, on and off the court. And of course, with Kevin Garnett, is probably one of the craziest superstars I ever played with. Just, Why is that? just I'm thinking that you come in, you think you're working hard, but we got practice at 11. He in a full sweat by the time we get in there. You're like, dude, what time you got here? Wow. Man, I'm ready. So as soon as you walk in and practice, you think you're finna stretch. And he's like, I don't know who, who guard me today. Like, man, who you talking to? That's that's the censor version, though, huh? Yeah, that's the censor yeah, yeah, yeah. version. Who the fuck? Right. <laughs> no, who got like so? Like, man, who you talking to? Like, ain't no stretching. Let's go. And that's how you know that's how practice pretty much went almost every day with with the Celtics. It was like our practice was harder than our games. We coming in, we getting at it. It's like 
get in it, get out, get to the game. It's like, man, it's a cakewalk. Yeah. They ain't been through what we've been through. We finna grind it out. If they want to fight, we're going to fight, but this is what we finna do. And you got a team full of everybody you look to your left and your right, everybody on the same thing you on? Yeah. I guarantee that other side ain't like that. Yeah. Yeah. They ain't like that. It may be one or two, but you hit a couple of them hard enough, the other ones on, they gonna get out of there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they gonna get out of there. So when you look at your story, you came in undrafted, and you always knew you were supposed to be there. Right. Shame on them for not recognizing your talent. But what was that moment to where you knew, you know what, this shot, that steal, that game really defined or gave me validation, gave them validation that I'm here now. You got to uh, deal with it. What was that moment for you? Probably um, we was on a road trip. Steve Nash got sick. It was in Miami. And I think it was, uh, I had 31 points. And so after the game, Coach Nelson, Coach Don Nelson comes in the locker room. He's like, hey, rookie, you always been able to play like that? I'm like, yeah, just put me <laughs> in the game. So after that, we had a meeting. He was like, Rookie, you starting at the two. We're going small ball for the rest of the year. I'm still a, I hadn't been playing. Mind you, I hadn't been playing all year until Steve got hurt. This was like the last 20 games. And I just started from there, and I was the second leading scorer in the playoffs, and it was just, that was probably one of the defining moments. After that game, he just was, rookie, you starting. Just to be able to start in an NBA game from being undrafted to like, you know, I'm getting the other respect from other players that when I was in college, I'm watching them play. Like, right. so now I'm getting on the course. Like, you can't show them that you're still a fan at yeah, the same yeah, time because yeah, this shark, yeah. you know, it's blood in the water. So you like, you know, you speak to him like, what up? But at, at yeah. the end of the game, you know, I'm going home talking like, man, I just played against him. Like, he know my name. Like, it's just crazy, man. It's just that. You just have to get over it quick. Yeah. You have to get over it real quick. Who, was there a player when you got to the league? We got a story. We'll yeah. tell about it later. But was there a player when you got to the league that you was like, man, I know I'm on this level. I got to keep my cool on an opposing team. Right. But you was like, damn, I'm on this autograph. I just put Iverson. Iverson. You know, I, I, I wore three all through high school and college. And it was like, man, I'm out with AI. Yeah. Like, man. This bubble chuck, like, <laughs> this this where we get the baggy shorts. Like, yeah, this yeah. tattoos, like, yeah. this Yeah, so, he, and then I got to guard him. It's like, man, should I file him? Should I let him <laughs> What should I do? Like, you know, he come up to you, what's up, Marquise, man? It's yeah. like, so you see, trying not to be in awe, but at the same time, you're like, what's up? What's yeah, up? Yeah, like, time, yeah right? man, it's, that right there, probably Iverson here. Iverson. What was that moment? To where you got the business. Somebody gave you the business. Man. And you was like, man, I hope they ain't talking about it on TV. <laughs> it Everybody at the crib back in Florida. It wasn't nothing you could do, man. Kobe had 62 on us in three quarters. Ooh. It wasn't nothing we could do. I mean, you, you could, you could, obviously man, you we got back in film. Time. It was like, that wasn't on me. <laughs> that wasn't me. It was nothing we could do. Yeah. Like, he had 30 in the third. It was crazy. Like, it, wasn't, it was really nothing we could do. What set this game apart from some of the other players that you had to guard in your career? It probably chew your head off and give it back to you. Yeah. Like, he really didn't care nothing about none of that. Like, you can't guard me. You need help. That's how his mentality was. Like, every game, like, you need help. And just, you guard him one-on-one -on -one up top, you reaching back, hoping there's a screen coming. <laughs> but nah, it's just you and him. <laughs> there ain't no screens, like, yeah. 
and it was like all mid-range so it's like i was right there it ain't like the threes it's like nah get this work it was tough man like them 62 and three quarters that was what did he finish with 62 he only played three quarters he probably had that was i think he had like 81 that year he was going crazy he was going crazy yeah he was going crazy man it wasn't nothing we could do it was what Dirk say what could he say I don't want none of that smoke. <laughs> he was lucky he didn't have smoke. to get out there. It was, man, it was bad. It was bad. Just footwork. Just, man, everything you wanted. But nothing you could do. So when you look at, uh, you got through your career, two beautiful kids, uh, Antoine yep. and your daughter. Soraya, yeah. Soraya, Soraya, she's, uh, yeah, she's, she's a little rapping. baller right now. She rapping, yeah, she ball, I've heard yeah. some of her tracks. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we gotta let everybody know. So everybody, no question, yeah. so how do we how do we find Soraya uh, to hear her music? Her music is um, Raya R I A H underscore two. The number two crucial C R U C I A L. She's um she's about six foot. She's in eighth grade. She's gonna be on varsity this year. So she I mean she don't back down from nothing. Like she. I wonder where she gets that from. I mean either me or I let her mama have that. Yeah, I, let, I let her get that, but she don't, she don't back down from nothing. Like the coaches always like, man, she she's not afraid of the seniors. She like they check ball, let me see it. She's always been like that, but you can't come in my house like that though. Like we I talk trash to everybody. I don't care who you are. Like my players, they be mad at me, man. I'm like, man, you sorry, man. Like coach, you say, yeah, you, you sorry. I do my kids like that. My son, he he talk trash, he loves baseball. I'm taking all my shoes off careful. He, he 11 wear size 12 shoe. So he gonna get all these old Jordans coming back in that I still got saved. He gonna have all them. All those shoes, are, he loves baseball though. He's played basketball as well, but man, it's just fun. They, they keep me young. I know all the, the young songs, you know, they keep me young. You know, um, NLE Chopper, um, all them young guys, my kids, they keep me on it. Right on. So, with you accomplishing so much, a lot of guys, people ask me all the time, Spike, do you want to go into coaching? I love helping people, but I don't want that. That smoke. responsibility, man. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't want the headache. I don't know whether or not if it came because I, I played for so long. My question to you is: uh, Now that you're done, you went back to school, finished working on a postgraduate degree. Yeah, I just got my master's last year. You, you just congratulations. got your congratulations yeah. on that. Welcome See, to the club. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. They want me to get that doctorate. I'm like forty some miles. I'm like, it's a lot of school. Great plug for Auburn right here. But yeah. uh, what what is it that drives you to give back to the game? on the collegiate level when you see so many young men that came from the demographic that maybe you came from or where you did not come from? Uh, just wishing I had what, I, what I'm giving to them right now. It's almost like having a cheat sheet. You know, being able to sit up there in the offices and the meetings and hear what's going on and being able to come back and relay it to them what we're looking for out of them because we had coaches that would push us but not like some inside intel, like, look, this is what we need you to do. Yeah. And you, you got a lot of guys that they want to understand, they want to be coached, and a lot of times they don't know how to interpret it to them because of, like you say, demographics, uh, how can I reach out to them, how can I get to them? And I just approach everything, like, I'm going to be real with you. It's up to you what you do with it. I'm going to give you what you need to do, I'm going to tell you what's going on. If you want to accept it, I'm going to help you. If yeah. not, I'm not going to turn my back on you, but I'm going to still give you the real and let you know what you're doing. Like, if you messing up, I'm gonna be like straight up, man. You, man, what happened? Man, you missed. You fucking up. Like I'm gonna just be straight up with you. 
and they respect that more. And it's kind of crazy that playing the game and you having somebody that's an established coach, been coaching forever, they'll respect, they'll listen to you more than they would the coach just because you played. So it's able to take what the coach is saying and interpret it to the players. And now it's like, I've been telling him that, but he'll listen to you. Just helping them out, you know, just making sure they go to class. Like, man, what you doing? Man, come on, coach. I'm like, man, why you lying to me, bro? I did the same shit. What you, right, like, right, right. why you lying to me, bro? No, nah, man. Shit, just a different day. Yeah. Just a different day. Like my mom said, man, the game ain't changed. It's just new players. Yeah, it is. Just new players. Just new players, man. They think they the smartest in the world until you tell them, like, then they start laughing. Nah, like, yeah, yeah. like, man, you full of shit. Yeah, yeah. What you doing, man? Like, man, come on. Bro, why y'all always messing with me? If you did what you had to do, wouldn't nobody say nothing to you. So why are you actually messing with me? Yeah. Exactly. You, you wasting my, my time. time. Right. Like I don't want to you think I want to be riding around here checking your classes? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But I will. As soon as they see me, they just start laughing. I'm like, yeah. this is what's going on, man. Well, bro, man, we appreciate Definitely, the definitely time, appreciate y'all having me on here, Much man. Respect, no man. questions. Right. Definitely, definitely. Keep, keep leading our young men Got to, to success and higher Got levels you. of success. And uh, next time we'll be back in a few weeks, so we got to get you on the podcast. No for, question. For part, round two. Round two, I'm with that. I'm with that, man. Behind the mask, man. Yeah, it is. This is what's going on. My yeah. man, my man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.